0: Welcome to the Extra Podcast, a production of Northview Community Church in Abbotsford, British Columbia. Your hosts, Jeff, Ezra, and Thalia, will be discussing the Bible, relevant issues, and current events each week. At Northview, we love to study God's Word and discuss how it applies to our lives, but we try not to take ourselves too seriously. So feel free to laugh with us and at us as we try to challenge and encourage you in your
1: faith. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Extra Podcast. My name is Thalia. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I am joined by two of my coworkers, Ezra and Jeff. Hi.
0: Hi, Thalia.
1: Hello. So instead of question of the day, I have an article for you guys to comment on. I don't know if you saw this over the weekend, but there's a famous African-American philanthropist in the U.S. who paid off 400 graduating students. He paid off their debt, their wow. student debt in the U.S.
0: Good for him. It's remarkable, isn't it? No. You can see, actually, on Instagram, him give the, his commencement speech yeah. where he says it. And it kind of starts to ripple through the, the room that, that he actually meant it. And yeah. these, all of a sudden, these guys start dancing. It's a traditionally all-male African-American school.
1: Mm-hmm. In Georgia.
0: And, yeah. And so pretty cool, eh? That is a good story. Yeah. So That's if anybody's out there story. who is a philanthropist, who is, who's worth like a billion dollars and wants to pay off my home... I am very happy to receive <laughs> well, that. Gift. Can you imagine the third-year
1: students who are like, well, "What? Like I wasn't in that graduating <laughs> totally. class?"
0: Can you imagine if there's a student in the class though who, um, you know, they just barely missed out on graduating this year, and they yeah. thought halfway through the term, uh, "I'm just going to drop this class and I'll take it next year, totally. so then I'll graduate next year, next in the uh, in the winter." Uh,
1: And the poor schmuck who worked two to three jobs, trying to get through university. Uh And they're like, I worked so hard for this. And my buddy here hardly worked at all and partied the whole time and... He gets his debt paid wow, off. Wow! Look at and... you. Oh, it's I know. All,
0: <laughs> it's all merit for you, isn't it? <laughs>
1: it's all psychology. I was thinking so all is, the behind-the-scenes kind is, of stuff.
0: Grace is if grace is given to one, it's got to be given to everyone, uh-huh. every single one. About that, Thalia. I don't know. know yeah. that, Thalia, don't know. Thalia got,
1: you and I have been going toe
0: to toe on a few theological matters <laughs> lately, aren't we, buddy? Yep. Mm, all right.
1: Okay, so we have some questions for the day. Sure. We have one on forgiveness, one on gambling, and one on Satan knowing our thoughts.
0: So can we tie all of those together so that <laughs> Satan knew how much you wanted to gamble, you risk it all, and then you need the debt forgiven. See what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> we'll be here 15 minutes. Done.
1: So Greg talked about forgiveness in the sermon this past weekend. We were in Fleeman. Uh, number three, I think, out of four, is it? Yeah. yeah, Philemon. Philemon. Philemon.
2: Philemon.
1: Philemon. That's better. Mm-hmm. That's
2: how you say it, Jeff. Philemon. Philemon. In, uh, but, the, but the African in me, Philemon. Philemon.
1: <laughs> that sounds like, uh, what's that? Philemon. Philemon. That's what totally. I was thinking. Totally. Yeah. That's yeah. Why, it's not, it's
0: why we don't say it. <laughs> Philemon. Yeah.
1: yeah. So a few questions came out of that sermon, more on forgiveness. A couple questions are, should we forgive someone who's already died? and should we forgive someone who's not apologized for their actions? Yeah. What do you
0: say? The second one is the the one that usually comes up most uh often. And in this even on this podcast in years gone by, we've actually in, interacted a little bit with the question. Greg's argument was that you don't that you do forgive people who have not asked for it. And then he said that he gave a couple examples in scripture that he thought Applied to that, yeah. chief among them, I think Romans twelve, yeah,
1: Colossians three, where it don't says. M- don't remember if he gave that in where it a says
0: sermon. Um, uh, Colossians or see Romans twelve, uh, basically says you know Le- leave room for the wrath of God. Um, so I, I, d- I have in the past tried to make the argument, and maybe I will make it just for the sake of argument here, so that you Ezra and Thalia can debate me on it. That I actually think that uh, most of the examples in the Bible are of people who are repentant, who are forgiven, and that what Romans 12 might be referring to is not calling you to forgive the person. It's actually calling you not to seek revenge on them. So here's the example in Romans 12 is, is uh, or essentially the language there, like I said, is, is to leave room for the, for the wrath of God. Do, n- do not take revenge, my brothers, mm-hmm. but leave room for God's wrath. So I don't, I don't know. Again, total sake of argument here, right? Because I'm very much on the fence on this one. So I, I, I totally understand the therapeutic value of forgiving somebody for your, for your sake, right? Because Greg's right. It's, you know, you carry around this bitterness that ends up eating away at you. So I would say that. Do you, do you, I think that most of the language of Scripture, though, when it's calling us to forgive, is calling us to forgive the person who is coming and is repentant. About about the thing, so even the example of the text that he gave, I think it was Luke. What is it, uh, Matthew? Oh, help me now!
1: You're talking about Matthew six after the Lord's prayer,
0: uh, yeah? Where he tells us where Jesus tells the story about the 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 guy who's forgiven whatever, however many hundreds oh, of bags of gold, and then after that, the same kind of thing come you know happens, and he's mm-hmm. unwilling to forgive the debt. In both cases, though, the person who is the debtor is pleading for forgiveness. So they have come to an, to an agreement that, yes, you're right about that. So Jesus himself in, in this example is, is identifying that th- what he's talking about is talking about the relationship between a person who comes and asks for forgiveness and how you treat somebody who's asking for forgiveness. So to extend that to be, well, what if they don't ask for forgiveness? I'm just saying that I don't know if Jesus speaks to that. So therapeutically, is it going to help you? Yes, but I think that the language I would use there is what Romans 12 says. Just don't seek revenge and leave it to the wrath of God. You can still be, I imagine you can still be frustrated by the action that they, that they took. And there might be a therapeutic value. And I know I've read lots of books where they talk about the value of, of forgiveness and handing that thing. But I, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm parsing words too closely and I'm kind of for sake of argumenting here. So have a go. Uh, I would say from a gospel perspective,
2: the motivator, the motivating factor for someone to forgive another, whether the person being, the whether the offender has asked your forgiveness or not, I think we forgive because God forgave us, because Christ forgave us. So the Christian Does thing- God
0: forgive, though? So I'm going to jump in and just ask for clarification, though, because does God forgive those who do not ask for it? Because if you say yes, then I'm going to say you're a universalist. So even the gospel itself, mm-hmm. the repentant are forgiven.
2: Yes, and and so so are you arguing? Are you saying here then that? Who am I
0: saying? Yeah, are you saying? <laughs> <I'm> presenting. <laughs> like you, I said, I'm on the fence a little bit with this one, and I'm trying to. I myself am trying to make sense of some of the biblical business. People who are listening are going to be like, "Oh, that's ridiculous," and I really do welcome you, yeah, to I, say that's ridiculous. Okay, Jeff. so you, you need to
2: no, but but be, you've but you've opened the door here, so let's walk through it. I would argue. Uh, I mean, from Ephesians one, where. Before the foundations of the world, dear Christian, you yeah. were chosen. Which means, even before you asked, before you asked for forgiveness, before you repented, the forgiveness was already there.
0: Right, but the because forgiveness are, is dependent on the repentance. So I agree with you, Ezra. I'm, right. I believe so, in election. So, so, so but yes, at the so, same time, I'm, I'm for saying, election
2: to stand. For election to stand, forgiveness was already given. No, but God, God the, demonstrates His own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Hadn't repented yet.
0: Right, Christ died for right, us. Right. He but did. What is the condition of receiving the forgiveness in in, in, in our lives? And the, the answer to that is repentance. Repentance of faith. Those those are the people who are forgiven. So I, I agree with if you, you confess if the mouth that Jesus
2: the, is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the
0: dead, you'll be what, Jeff? Saved. What so you you're well Ezra, I'm gonna Thank you. If we're if we're playing with the gospel here as a model, uh-huh. I'm gonna say though that at this point. I'm, I'm going to challenge because you because I'm going to say that that I if you're arguing that repentance uh-huh. is not a necessary condition for Not saying repentance is not a <laughs> necessary, not saying that. I, I, so I know you not don't believe that. that. Yes, of course. And I, <laughs> I don't believe, I don't believe it either. So, yeah. this, so if you're t- my point is if you're taking the gospel as a model yes. and you're saying forgive as Christ forgave you. Well, how did Christ forgive you? Mm-hmm. And I would say Christ forgave you, that he pursued it. There's no question about that. But mm-hmm. ultimately the forgiveness came... Not prior to the repentance, but subsequent to it. That forgiveness th- that those who do not repent are not are not forgiven, mm-hmm. and so that's why you have warnings: repent and believe the gospel. Yeah, repent and believe, right? Or these Turn. things will take place. Right. Says says Jesus, second Luke thirteen, right? right? Like so. So I'm saying but, that but I think even the gospel there, itself but even is there, a model. But, but
2: Jeff, but even there, even with repentance itself, what is repentance? It's repentance saying sorry. Is it asking for forgiveness or is it's it turning? A, no. Well, it's repents, a turning.
0: It's a turning away from your the former manner exactly. of whatever. So I would say it's, a, it's an agreement mm-hmm. that what I did was wrong. Okay, so Jeff, is
2: repentance and forgiveness the same thing?
0: No. Well, of course not. The person who repents is seeking forgiveness. Yes,
2: is seeking forgiveness. So, uh, my, my... For the one,
0: for, t- from the one that they have wronged.
2: Mm-hmm. So, in my in my view, so I'm I'm looking at the Jesus's parable about this person who was forgiven a greater debt. This guy who owed the king billions of dollars and his buddy, um, right? Nothing. So, so th- the king forgives the billion dollars. And then the guy who's been forgiven... The... Based
0: on what, though? What does the person who is the debtor, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. The one who owes, owes the money, yeah. what is it that they're doing in the parable? And the answer to that question is that they are seeking forgiveness of the debt. But isn't that parable more about the mercy of the king? A- absolutely, yes. It is, but it's still... The seeking of no, the forgiveness but- of the debt, and the person then who is bowing, the, then the the sting in it is that basically the same thing happens to the guy who has the debt forgiven. That mm-hmm. somebody comes to him and they owe him just a paltry sum, and that and the guy says, "Pay me what you owe," and the guy's like, "Oh, I, you know, like he's he he's apologetic. He's not disagreeing that he doesn't owe. Right? He does owe. He knows he owes." Yes. So okay. my my point is, even the parable. If you want to take it seriously, even the parable is is arguing that Thalia, I want you to get involved here because I know you want to get involved. So I'm listen. I'm, all I'm okay. saying is that I think so. So I don't want to overread the scriptures. Is my point? Absolutely. And so even when you say yes. Colossians three, Thalia, where, where exactly are you referring to? Do you know?
1: Yep, but I don't know the exact verse. I just know it's Colossians three. Yeah.
0: But uh, the Romans twelve text, for example, is really is is also instructive, and oftentimes it can be overread. I'm totally. and mm-hmm. Believe me, I'm not trying to disagree wholeheartedly with Greg's sermon. Yeah.
1: So Colossians three thirteen says, "Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you."
2: Ah, do what.
1: Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Well, that's my question. You, yeah, yeah.
2: So, so the point, and, and my point was, I don't know if that text is saying forgive when, so if Josh, uh, Amazonas here decides, hey, he, he does something wrong to me. Now, do I have to wait for Josh to repent? Is that, uh, is
0: that how the Lord forgave you? No. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is.
1: So I teach that forgiveness is a command in Scripture. Yes. We need uh-huh. to forgive. Uh-huh. It's in Matthew 6 and in Colossians 3, like I just read. And so I would encourage people to forgive even if the person has not apologized, has not repented, has not changed their ways. Because it is what is commanded clearly in Scripture with a clear reading, without all the other stuff that you guys are going round and round and round. Okay, oh, so, so you <laughs> <disagree>. So, so <laughs> Taylor, I'm going to engage you uh, yeah.
0: on this then, because you, you're, you're <clears throat> trying to put the nuances that I was trying to add to it, and you're saying that they're ridiculous. So I... <laughs> What I'm asking you though is when you're reading the word forgiveness though mm-hmm. and you're you're not taking seriously the as Christ forgave you part. Like like how did Christ forgive us? What was what is what is the gospel?
1: So how do you mean I'm not taking it seriously? Uh, well,
0: I think that you're saying that Jesus just forgives people without any thought about repentance and that's not that's not the way it works by any means. So I'm understanding that the forgiveness that is being commanded, which I'm fully agreeing with you, it is a command of scripture, but in what circumstances that being understood. When somebody when when you have a grievance against somebody and you can con- and you confront them about it and they're apologetic, the the that don't hold on to bitterness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Forgive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you're not saying that. You're saying that if I have your grievance you say to the person this you know that you, that you did this wrong and they're like, I don't care, get lost. I'm saying that there is a something that the scriptures teach about that circumstance, but I don't think it's in the passages that you're pointing to for forgiveness, and I don't think the command of scripture is forgiveness there. I think that the command of scripture there—hold on, Ezra—for uh, the sake of argument, because okay. I'm still on the fence with it. Sure, but I think the command of scripture there is—is is what Romans 12 says: live in harmony. Verse 16: love them in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty; associate with the lowly repay verse 17, no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. So in other words, in other words, here's the situation. you don't you this person has done you wrong, they don't agree with it in the end and the temptation you have in this moment is to is to fight back and to give them, what it is that they gave you. And I'm saying that I think that the language here is that, le- okay, leave it to the wrath, leave it to the wrath of God. So, I mean, functionally, is that the same thing as forgiveness? Probably, I guess. I, I so think so. I would
1: rather err on the side that, because when we read these scriptures clearly, it, the command is clear to forgive others. And I would really rather err on the side of saying, okay, Lord, I have done my part. I have forgiven them. Even if they have not apologized and they may in this world, they may not in this world, but I think that it's important yeah. on this, on this earth for me to yeah. do everything I can to forgive the other person with God's help.
0: So I'm saying, it, it, I'm, I'm going to use the biblical language here. I'm going to say that I, I think it's, it's important for us to do everything we can to live at peace. hmm with with all people. I mean even at the end of this text too. It's really interesting because to the con- he, you know, vengeance is mine I will repay says the Lord. Okay. To the contrary, if your h- enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so you do uh by so doing you'll be heap burning coals on his head. I I think that's that's interesting because it's essentially saying no don't treat treat them well. So I don't know, is that the same thing as See, forgiveness? Is j- that what you Jeff, mean when you say forgiveness? Jeff, uh, Jeff I'm going to I'm going to push back at oh, you to yeah, say you this,
2: to say this. I think forgive as the Lord forgave you. How did the Lord forgive you and how did that forgiveness begin? It began with him electing you uh, and showing you his, it, wait, let me finish, show you mercy and grace. And then upon forgiveness was there, but then you are now coming to
0: Repent. Jeffrey. Ezra, if you say that forgiveness precedes repentance, then I have a hard time understanding how you're going to avoid avoid the universalist tag, because everybody is forgiven then. No, because of election.
1: Okay, well, we can go on this for a long time. Do you want to continue Thalia, a couple more minutes? Thalia, well, Let's Thalia, go, I, have more ta- I have more questions I know you that do, are but interesting.
0: Here's, so here's here's my thing, mm-hmm. and maybe I'm just playing with words, as you say. Probably. Probably. Uh, but I'm trying to understand the language of of, of the scriptures when it, the language is used of of forgiveness and I'm saying that uh, perhaps what you mean by forgiveness is what Romans twelve is describing is it is that what you mean so when you say if, if I forgive somebody what I'm doing is essentially leaving it to the wrath of God mm-hmm. uh it see yeah, it doesn't seem right to me though if I forgive you i'm not leaving i'm not handing you over to the hand of a wrathful God I'm actually saying don't worry about it. like kind of like I don't want to sound trite. So are you
2: saying so are you saying that okay, so I shouldn't forgive Josh for
0: the, I don't think the you should violence forgive Josh he, for, anything. for the violence
2: <laughs> just he's the- just caused me or the defrauding. No, that I he- think if
0: I think if Josh is recognizing that he's done wrong, then I. I but think he hasn't yet. So that, he hasn't okay, yet. But if he, listen, I think if he's recognizing that he's done wrong, then all of the biblical passages for commanding for forgiveness are the ones that I think come to play. But they if apply. he's if he's saying to you, "No, get lost," I'm right. saying that you don't say about Josh, "Hey, it's no big deal." I think that the command of Scripture is to not seek. It's a negative command. Don't, don't seek revenge. Revenge. Okay. But then the positive side, leave it to the wrath of God. So in other words, you're saying, yeah, what you did is wrong, dude, and now you don't agree with it right now, but in the end, I'm handing you over to the God who's the just judge, okay. who is going to express ultimately that just judgment on you. So what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Well, if my enemy is hungry, I feed him. If my... Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not advocating so, so, bitterness that looks like or okay. forgiveness. Okay. To me. Okay. That's so, what I'm so, so, asking so, yes. Thalia, mm-hmm. is that is it like functionally I guess it it looks very similar. Yeah,
1: because I've re- released that um, that anger against them, that bitterness against totally. them, that grudge holding. And so that's what forgiveness so is. So I
0: totally agree with you. And that's that's where I think functionally at the end though, and that the, my way of answering the question is I think that we get hung up on the word for, forgiveness and I'm okay with us saying, well, you're not actually forgiving them, and I'm putting that in air quotes, if you understand that the other option that you have as a Christian is to say, no, I still believe that what they did was wrong, but I'm not going to act in in anger toward them. I'm not going to I'm be, vindictive. Not going to be vindic- vindicating them, vindictive toward them. I'm going to wait for God to actually pass his righteous judgment on this matter.
1: But true forgiveness isn't justifying it or condoning it or saying it's okay. True forgiveness says the person did wrong. But I am not going to be held under that power. I'm going to give it to God and say,
0: "See that I agree with you." Yeah. When, you when you're using the language, yeah. give it to God. But I don't know if is that. Is that's that, how I teach that's it. The way that forgiveness. Absolutely,
1: we need God help by the Holy Spirit to forgive.
0: Mostly because of the gospel, though Ezra, and which you and I apparently disagree on. Now that we disagree <laughs> yeah, in no, in the no, no, we, yeah, because yeah, Ezra is a universalist. <laughs> Josh, you heard that, right?
1: Okay, let's move to the next question. Right. Okay, here's right. another one for you to go toe to toe. Gambling. <laughs> okay. Here's the question: I like to buy lottery tickets and I visit the casinos occasionally. But recently, a Christian friend in my community group said that Christians should not be involved in gambling. Is this true? Is gambling wrong for Christians?
2: Oh, this is a loaded question. <laughs> it is. I think um, not. Uh, I can not answer every- in like not, a second. Not everything is beneficial. I will say yeah, this. I will say this. Um, I will say this. I will say. In our North American culture here, we know that gambling leads to, can fuel greed, which can destroy lives and becomes an idol. And because of that, because of that, we would say, you know what? This is not the smartest, wisest thing for you, dear Christian, to be involved
0: in. So could, be a, so could being a lawyer, though. What you just said.
2: For it Ezra, could fuel anything, greed. Anything. anything
0: and lead. Any anything. Anything. You anything had said could do
2: that. So my, 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 my yeah. So my, my my argument here is I I hesitate to make a law here where a law is not necessary. Would, uh, because the Bible doesn't say there isn't there isn't any command to say gambling is wrong. The Bible does say greed is sin. Greed is sin. Well, there's some Old Testament well, sure. so, passages
0: that seem to lean a little bit toward, you know, like uh, unrighteous gain and the scales right. and stuff. I like, yes. the, for the most part, you're going to say it's unwise, right? Right. So we would say it's not, it's not a sin, but it's unwise. And there's yes. lots of things in the world that are like that. It's not a sin. Right. It's unwise. I don't think it's a sin to smoke cigarettes, but I think it's unwise. Right. I, I don't think it's a sin to to drink alcohol, But personally. I think it can be unwise. In especially certain certain circumstances. Okay, some people might get mad at me for that, but I I, I think that there are lots of things that we do uh, that that are, that are unwise.
1: So you're talking a little bit of a freedom issue. It is
0: Christian freedom in the end. Right. So, but in the end, uh, it's un, it's more unwise for some people who who have more of a challenge with that. Like I'll tell you right now, mm-hmm. I've I've been to. You know, uh, Las Vegas, we got a free tickets once to Las Vegas and we flew and was there for a day and you play the the slots or whatever. I noticed something going on in my heart that I didn't like. Like the promise of the next hit, I was, it was exhilarating, right? And I, I actually realized, oh my goodness, I could do this for a long, long time. mm mm-hmm. And at that point, I realized, I think we, I think we got up $30 because I'm so cheap. I had to play like the penny ones or the five cent ones. Oh, the slots? Yeah. And I, at that point, I realized, okay, I'm out. Because I realized about myself that this is a thing that I don't think is a freedom. I didn't realize it, but my conscience was being pricked at the time. Because mm-hmm. I, I didn't have any issues with, with gambling necessarily. But I was sitting there doing the thing, realizing this is a really dangerous activity for me. So I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and so we cashed out our $30 rented a car and drove to the Grand Canyon. Uh, but I I think that's a model. I think that's the way it should be. If you, if you don't don't quiet your conscience on it. Like if you feel like you are given over to this yeah. and then you sh- it's unwise for you and you should not be doing it.
1: Yeah, but. and I'd also say to check your motives. Like why are you going to the casinos? Why are you buying lottery tickets? Why are you I don't know, whatever. Like, what is your purpose in this?
0: Yeah, because mo- it could be because I want to have a lot of money and because the good life is held at the end of, uh, you know, with lots of money bags around me, or it could which is be not that, true.
1: Right, or it could be just the fact that your grandma gave you lottery tickets for your birthday and you're honoring your grandma by, okay, you scratched it and you won 10 bucks. Is okay. that what you did? <laughs> Actually, that's never happened, but I've seen people got get lottery tickets for their birthday.
2: Yes, I've seen that too. Yeah. Really? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes, wow. I never no, received is, a lot. Well, but I don't even win <laughs> very much in Roll Up the Rim season, so, you know. Oh, so
0: that's because in the end, Ezra, <laughs> it, it so starts to get down to it. Like, do you, you, you play the top. McDonald's, you know, McDonald's uh I used to Monopoly? when my kids were small, yeah. yeah? Like, at what point is it? And a lot I mean, of it has to do with motivation. So, You're so, absolutely so, right when you yeah, talk yeah. about greed.
2: So uh, I, at times, go to the Canucks games. And when you go there, there is something called 50-50. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Are you in? So you you you're there and you're thinking man this the jackpot could go up to 100,000 and then it's a 50-50 split it's $50,000 and you just spend 5 bucks on
1: this
0: but it's usually to you, a, it's usually to a charity if, but it if you go to, to the, your kids
1: uh like hockey game like a n- number of my friends have kids that play i always participate in 50-50 cuz you feel pressured as the person who's visiting to help their hockey cause. team earn yeah yes. so i always participate and then i'm like what would i do if hey, i won hey did you want to
0: come to my son's baseball game <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: exactly right. so
2: so, so, I mean, there, there, are things, there are things like that uh, where um, there was one time when the Sardines were playing their last game, that jackpot went to 1.4 million. Wow. Yeah, and someone walked away with 700 grand. Uh, so, at what, the
1: end. does our so, church uh, have a policy on accepting lottery money or not? Oh,
0: dude, we play 50 50. <laughs> That's what we are do next week. <laughs> there you go. That's the so, fundraiser. It is 50 50. Yeah, I mean, do we have
1: a, what did you say? A, a policy as a church? Do we no. accept lottery money or not? Yeah, of course. Because when I was growing up, my church decided they went through a and sort of a discernment. The poli- they decided they, decided no, they didn't we, want to receive we lottery don't have proceeds.
0: A, we don't have a policy on that. Okay. Kind of thing. So he, I, drug I, money, no.
2: <laughs> I, I think I think I think this would be a good opportunity, Jeff, maybe for you to just talk a little bit about Christian freedom, because a lot of yeah. people would be listening to this and wondering, okay, why would you guys say gambling is not is not a sin? It's obviously a sin, and there are people who are probably in the first right now. So. so
0: Look, here's here's the thing that we live in a day of legalism today. So le- legalism is basically taking, uh, I- is basically not. It's not saying that uh, you should keep what the scriptures say are are good and bad. Ugh, that's I'm sounding horrible. Here, here so a, essentially, the scriptures actually outline some very clear teaching. Have some commands in them, you know, for people who are who are. Christian people who the Lord has saved by his grace, there is a response that we have to the grace in the gospel, and that is that we live out in obedience to Christ. There is a body of, of, of that, when I say body, like a, mm. like a group of, of things that one does to respond to the grace of God. We, right, we order our, our lives around the teachings of Jesus in response to that grace. Well, some people want to go beyond those teachings to Jesus of Jesus, now and they'll they'll use those teachings of Jesus and then say, yes, but that has those have implications in this and this and this. And they'll start to add commands to Christianity that are not actually in, in Scripture. When you end up establishing extra commands beyond the commands that are in Scripture and then saying everyone needs to keep these commands as well you are in a very shaky ground. You're in, you're in the ground of what is historically being understood as, as legalism. Because what you're saying is, if you want to be a good Christian, you'll do this other stuff too. So yeah, you can be a, like a small Christian and barely a Christian, or you can be a really good Christian, and the really good Christian doesn't dance or smoke or date girls who do. So in the, in the end, what I'm saying is that there are certainly commands of Christ— in response to the gospel, that we are urged to keep as followers of Jesus, but in those areas where he does not speak, or where the, the body of Scripture is not is not clear, right? Cle- clearly s- stated, mm-hmm. like, should you gamble? Or should you drink alcohol? Or should you... I mean, Go to man. movies. What kind of car should you drive? Or what kind of movie should you watch? Or whatever. Mm-hmm. All of these things. Now, I could... Go into Scripture and say, "Well, there's a whole bunch of principles, right, about purity and about, you know, uh, you know, think about, think about such things of uh, Philippians four eight, whatever's pure or noble. Mm-hmm. and noble." Like, and like, all of the, I can give you all sorts of principles, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. how you apply that those particular principles and in what setting is ultimately going to be a Christian freedom. Mm-hmm. And the goal of the of the mature Christian then is to say, "I'm going to embrace your freedom." And I'm not going to pass moral judgment on you because what you're doing is not spoken of clearly in scripture as being condemned. However, Mm -hmm. however, Mm -hmm. I can say, yeah, some of that's really unwise. Like as long as I'm not looking down on you as another Christian, I say, dude, you know, it could lead to this other stuff. Right. But I also know that there are things that I participate in that could lead to other things as well. And that's why the scriptures say, don't quiet your conscience. Don't, don't deaden your conscience when you you race you get into these these particular issues. Mm-hmm. So if you if you are hanging out with people who are drinking alcohol a lot and you feel your conscience pricked in the sense that you're like, man, this is I don't 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 deaden that. Mm-hmm. Don't be like, oh, don't be a prude. No, no. Listen to your conscience about that. It's a it's a spirit inspired con- conscience in that regard, and you should say, well, maybe this is not something that. Is going to be best for me so here's a question then final question
2: then on this one on this issue what if the activity you're involved in jeff as a christian and you're exercising your christian freedom but your activity is leading failure to stumble so when you
0: say stumble, I'm going to say she's it's leading her into sin. Okay. Okay. Yes, so for fine. example, if Thalia struggles, maybe Thalia has a background in uh, alcohol abuse. She comes to faith in Christ, and she comes to faith in Jesus, and I'm like, Hey, Thalia, do you want to go out to the pub? And she says, Oh, I I wouldn't, you know, I'm not, no, I'm not going to do that. Oh, come on, Thalia, don't be a prude. Come along, have whatever. It's just a beer. It's just a you know, it's just a shot. It's just whatever. See, what am I doing? Okay. I'm leading her to stumble. Yeah. So I'm 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 like running over her Christian conscience and I'm doing it for the sake of my mind and yeah. putting her down basically. So when the scriptures talk about it, Paul talks about this first Corinthians and, and the book of Romans. In fact, when we go through the book of Romans, finish it next year, we're gonna be talking about this stuff. What it's essentially saying here is that don't 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 do that it doesn't it's not saying i shouldn't i shouldn't i can't go to the pub well, it, what it's saying is in, I would not bring failure to the pub
1: it's part of loving others as we yes. love ourselves it's watching out for others and living wisely like as we grow as Christians we want to grow in our love for others and our wisdom to the things that we choose to do or not do, and how we approach others as well
0: so um so the,
2: I have is one more question. Well, oh, hold on. I'm just going to apply okay. this to a couple yeah, other sure, things. Sure, so, sure. for example, if sure. you,
0: one of the things I hear all the time from people is, well, if you really love your kids, you're going to – and then fill in the blank is regarding school. If you gonna, really love your kids, you're going to homeschool. If you really love your kids, you're going to private school. school. Mm-hmm. If you really love your kids, you're going to send them to public school so that they, they get engaged with the culture. Like everybody's got – but they tend to enthrone whatever they're doing and then pass judgment on everybody else. This is a classic place in the modern world where people mm-hmm. are are legalists. Mm-hmm. The truth is you can send your kid to public school, private school, Christian school, homeschool, whatever, mm-hmm. and it's all good. Right? But don't don't principalize your experience and don't principalize your particular view on this matter. Because in principalizing your view on this matter, you're extending it beyond Scripture, and now you're making your experience and your viewpoint the law, and you're passing judgment on other people saying, anybody who doesn't keep my law is not as good a Christian, and that's legalism. So we, we want to avoid legalism at every cost. Mm-hmm. But we also, on the other hand, want to say, okay, there might be some wise or unwise things. Like, clearly, if you're, like if you're exhausted and your marriage is falling apart because you're so exhausted, because you're homeschooling those little kids, I would say, man, this is probably unwise Mm -hmm. for you. Like, its I I know you want to do it, but it's unwise.
1: And part of that is loving others enough to have an honest discussion. And not simply pass judgment, but find out their story. Find out why they've chosen A, B, C, X, Y, Z, because... Yeah, maybe it's there's room to make a different decision next year.
2: Where I see a big issue, particularly on this subject, has to do with we want to be as to to reflect the multicultural makeup of our community here, and a lot of people who are first generation immigrants, like myself and others, uh, coming from different cultures, where we have seen Christianity in our own culture. So in Africa, there is no way, no way. Uh, a true believing Christian would be caught with uh, with uh, a, a glass of wine or mm. a, or a, or a jug of beer kind of like hey it's it's only one beer. I'm not getting drunk. Um, it's my wife's anniversary and I, so we just went out for a good steak and a nice wine to go with it. As a Christian, you never, ever, ever do that. And so I come to North America with this mindset that Christians don't drink beer. Or I'm invited to, Jeff, your son is getting married. And let's say he wants to have a little dance. And, of course, the music is obviously going to be uh, (laughs) dance music or whatever, right? (laughs) So... Again, in Africa, that kind of music, you never listen to secular music ever. I grew up. Pop music, never, ever, ever. And so now you have people coming from other parts of the world with this kind of uh, Christian understanding based on their discipleship. And they come to North America, and now they are inundated with, they feel like the church in North America is so carnal at best. Yeah, but I and therein lies. So, so I, now gonna, for us, for us, our our responsibility then as North American Christians would be now: how do we disciple them? Yeah,
0: we try to teach them what. The, what I I, I hope right. I've been faithful in summarizing the teaching of Paul on this particular matter in First Corinthians and in Romans. Mm-hmm. You can go and check if I have been or mm-hmm. haven't. in 1 Corinthians eight nine and Romans right. fourteen. So, uh, so I'm. I'm trying to summarize what what it's so. The goal of anybody, right? It, it, like, so if you come from a culture that has that kind of viewpoint, mm-hmm. the goal of any teacher is to try to teach you what the scriptures say about that, so that you would reform your thinking to be in line with what the Bible teaches. Um, that might take a long time, but here, here's the thing: pe- some people respond and say, "Well, if anybody in the room is offended at all, if anyone anyone feels." Like that's a wrong thing. We shouldn't do it. That's that's not what the scriptures teach. It doesn't. Uh, I'm not causing somebody to sin, right? I'm not mm-hmm. causing somebody to sin by playing drums in the church. I'm not. Uh, so, in in the end, it's a question of yeah, it, it's of curbing your your particular freedoms when it comes to leading them into a leading them into something that would be sin for them.
1: Yeah.
0: This is a long excellent discussion. And there's another piece mm-hmm. to it that should be added in that you should curb your freedoms whenever, whenever it comes to the community mm-hmm. of faith and how people would look at what you're doing. So there's a whole extra piece that we haven't even discussed mm-hmm. here yet. But yeah. I will say this, just to finish. Legalism is horrible, right? It, it's terrible. You do not want to live in a world where Christian people are legalistic and passing judgment on you all the time, and you don't want to be someone like that. I've spent time with people who are legalistic. You want to get away from them as quick as you possibly can, because you'll never do it right. There's never anything that you're doing in the questionable or debatable or disputable matters. You're always doing something that is wrong, and they look down their nose at you, kind of like, oh, well, you don't have... <laughs> you're not quite as good as I am or this other person is, and so I don't know. you like, it's sick. it's sickening. And nobody wants to be around those people. Right. And the truth is, you should. We should be embracing each other's freedoms and, you know, pursuing holiness the way that Jesus describes it. Absolutely. But there should be a real grace-filled attitude in Christ's church that I'm willing, Ezra, to let you be Ezra, right? As long as the Ezra you're being is one is in line with the followership of Jesus, I'm good, man. And right. if you do something a little different than I do, eh, okay. It's mm-hmm. it's not the end not the end of the world, and actually i want to I want to be willing to embrace that that y- y- your gifts and the way that that you view this uh, it's be expression. Yeah, absolutely. Okay.
1: Mm. In the few minutes we have left, left. Sorry. Last question: Can Satan read my mind or know my thoughts?
0: So, uh, yeah, no. That's <laughs> <Ezra's laughs> a hard one. <laughs> no. Well, I don't think. Where, where biblically are you going to point to to say that Satan does read your thoughts? Like a bigger penalty? No, I'm not saying you're going to do it. I'm just no, saying that there, there, is there really nowhere. is no biblical evidence to mm-hmm. say that Satan reads somebody's thoughts. It's, it, it, it establishes Satan as a power far beyond what he is. I got to be honest with you. One of the things that I'm really shocked at is, is people sometimes talk about Satan, like he's basically omnipresent. Right. Do you know, that's, that's what I think this is getting God at. Because right. I think like... people
1: are afraid that Satan can read their thoughts. And he's everywhere. Right. That's what a lot of people We'd think. we not. No, he's I, in I one think, place.
2: I think a, a few a few things that would have to uh, to establish first of all, th- the scriptures do teach that God does, God is able to read your mind. God is able to even know what you're going to say even before you say it.
1: I think it's First uh, Kings 30, uh, first Kings eight. 39 Solomon is talking here at the dedication of the temple and he says then hear from heaven your dwelling place forgive and act deal with everyone according to all they do since you know their hearts for you alone know every human heart. Right.
2: So, I mean, at the end of the day, it is worth establishing that God himself and God alone, even Jesus himself knew what was in a man's heart mm-hmm. and did not entrust himself to them.
0: So, in John two.
2: again, so that is all uh, divine attributes. God is the only one who can do this. Now, Satan, on the other hand, has been at his business for, for millennia. So he knows how to read a human being. And and knows the affection of people's hearts and their tendencies, but can he read your mind? Can he know your thoughts as you're thinking them? Or he can, he can wh- whisper
0: ideas to you. He can, but those don't. But but again, but, but he it, doesn't read. He doesn't he, know your 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 yeah, mental response to those exactly. So at the end of the but day, but he can see it. Right. When you start acting like, you, if he starts right. devastating, you whispering to you, Ezra, you're useless, you're yeah. horrible. Can you believe that you like think about your past, think, think about all the horrible things, and those those will not be audible voices to Ezra, but they will be thoughts that shoot into his mind. Right. But External the pressure. The response that Ezra has to those particular things and the th- ways that he responds in his in his mind to that, I don't think are. But, but I mean, Satan's it's it's purview. the same.
2: It's the same way as uh, when a parent when you're parenting a child. And you you don't know what that child is thinking, but you've 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 seen them grow up, and you know very well <laughs> if I say this, this is the reaction I'll get. If yeah, I say that, this is the reaction I'll get. So, in other words, Satan knows uh knows the human heart. Well, enough to know what strings to pull to get a specific reaction. Yeah. But can he see you the same way you would be looking through a glass window to see the inside of you and as you're processing things? No. The scriptures say, uh, the scriptures don't teach that don't he's able to that, do not they don't. they don't affirm that at all. No. Okay. Only God is the one who's able to do that.
1: Great. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next week.